Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening, folks. Thank you very, very much for listening. Today, today is the 2nd of May, year of our Lord, 2023. Welcome to yet another edition of the Bonnet Cardigan Show presented by The Athletic. I'm, of course, joined by the on again, off again, man who wears the cardigan, James Edwards Third of The Athletic. James. This is maybe the best mood you've been in in a while. Yeah, thanks, it's man. It's radiating. I mean, it's not that you're often in bad moods when we do the pod, but it's like radiating. It's May. You like you like this little May third. You like this little. I don't know what the hell it is. It's not a rhyme, but it's you're trying to make it rhyme. I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, I'm making it work. I'm just I'm feeling all bubbly, man. Look, it's May. It's May outside. Orange door hinge. We got uh, we got. I'm walking outside. I'm going on all these different walks, even though it is we're in a cold phase again. You know, really rainy in Chicago yeah. today. It's like 30 it's, degrees. It's been rainy and cloudy for about four days here in Detroit. It stinks. But the but the flowers, man, they're blooming. The trees, the the leaves are back. You know, I go outside, it smells wonderful, right? There's that light rain smell, there's that earthy smell, because I'm in a major city, there's that, you know, toxic gas, it's great, man, the vibes are back in the city, you know, I'm excited, and I gotta tell you something, dude, it's just on the on the topic of Chicago, I owe you an apology, and I owe all of our Chicago-based listeners an apology. Why is that? I just, I've lived here for almost four or five years now, and you know this. I think maybe we've talked about this before. I just Stan's Donuts wasn't something that I ever I was like, I don't need to do it. Like, I'm fine. I don't I'm not a huge breakfast guy. Like, I'll be all right. I'm so we've gotten in stands before. No, but I didn't get it. I didn't get anything. If you remember, you got a chocolate milk and a donut. And I was like, "Ooh, that looks good. That looks good. But I didn't get anything. Yeah, that's right. You didn't. So I'm I'm in. I was wrong about this. You know, you guys with your stands don't you guys were right. So I'm a big I'm a truther now. I mean, That's donuts it. are phenomenal in general, but yeah, Stan's does a great job. I every time I'm in Chicago, I go because there's one on like every other block. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but there's one usually like in the areas in which most people stay when they go to Chicago. Yeah, bunch downtown, bunch on the north side, couple on the west side. Um, yeah. You know, I got a fun little mental exercise before we get to all of our Pistons stuff, and I guess some in some way it could tie into the Pistons, but um, we'll run through this real quick. I'm looking at the Seattle Kraken knocking out the Colorado Avalanche, right? And now, in the last five years, the NHL has had two expansion teams make some semi-legitimate to quite legitimate runs in the playoffs. And I'm not a guy who knows a ton about the NHL anymore, you know, but I would assume, I would deduce that the, the one of the main factors here is just the sheer pool of talent that the NHL has, that they can have these two expansion drafts. And they can, you know, pull in enough players that fit the right spots and are in the right positions. and They have the right guys in the building where they can make these runs super early on. Right. And it just makes me think, you know, yes, when the, the NBA could do it. Well, right. In the next couple of years, you know, it, if the NBA, well, when the NBA expands, because they will once they get a new TV deal. 
But like year one, that team's making the play in. I don't know. At least all, I don't know about all that, but they won't be absolutely doo doo. There's a chance that they're not absolutely doo doo. Well, because like, what's the bar there? I think play-in's reasonable because it either means they're tanking or they're a playoff team. And I just don't think a a team like think about how talented the league is and how people were complaining, including us on this show, by the way, early in the season when every other night there's a dude scoring 45 points. How we're like, it's really hard almost to appreciate how good all these dudes are because there's so many of them. You know what I mean? And it doesn't feel like these isolated games anymore where it's like, remember that? Remember that? Because it's like, oh, yeah, that was Tuesday. This crazy thing happened. So I think if you just spread those guys out a little bit, then it kind of evens the field, no? Yeah, I mean, I think there's enough talent in the league to certainly add at least one more team and probably two. Uh, Since we're on the topic, out of curiosity, you get to protect eight players when an expansion team comes in. Yeah. From the start of last year's team, which eight are you protecting? From the so not knowing what we know now? All right, no. From the end of last year's, from the end of this okay. year's team. Yeah, go ahead. Cade, uh, Ivy. Yeah, hold up your fingers for me. Thank you. I got you. Cade, Ivy, Stu, Duran. Four. Bogey. It's five. Although there's a sneaky reason to not protect him if you don't want to pay him, but we have no reason not to. So but I'm so I'm putting him in there. Bogey. Um Wiseman. Six. And I did think I'm it? actually good. I could did stop you say there. Ivy? I did. He was my second one. Wow. You so I think who, I'm good at six. I, everybody else, it's I'm indifferent, right? It's just dudes on the margin. Any any of the two that are left, it's like you know you have kill, you have Hami, um, live. I guess I should have thrown Isaiah Livers in there. I was so I'll, ask about yep. Livers. So I'll, I don't know, honestly, dude. You get to protect eight. I mean, no, but <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like if we're going off the end of last year, right? What's recent history about Isaiah Livers? I don't know. He he kind of missed a lot of shots. Kind of was in and out of the lineup a lot. And I'm not gonna pin injury like it's his fault. Like the dude's hurt. I'm not you know. Not saying he's damaged goods, but I don't have this vision that's so clear all the time with him the way that you know people like you do, which is fine. I think the vision is very clear for for his role, whether or not he gets there, is consistently as yet to be seen. But I think the vision is clear. It's three and D wing that you trust defensively and can hit shots. I mean, at the end of the day, he did. He shot thirty six percent from three. That's not great. But it's but not it's bad. Fine. Yeah, and you fine. and you felt like and your first thing is he missed a lot of shots. But it's like, well, he shot thirty six percent. You know what I mean? So it's not like terrible. That's about average, and that's a down year for him. I'd have to check the game logs. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not saying not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying I, a few stinkers really stick out to me. I don't know. But James, the most important thing, if the if the NBA expanded today the one thing that the Pistons are still without is a head coach. Is there, and I, I'm not too sure if there is at this point. I haven't heard a ton. Do we have any updates in the search for head coach? Uh, sources tell me that they are still in the process. I believe some of the candidates, um, of which you guys know who those are, if you've been following me, will be meeting with Tom Gorris in the next week or two uh, to do interviews with him. Uh, but nothing imminent. Nothing this week. No hire this week for sure. Lotteries in what two weeks? Sounds like we're kind of fifteenth, yeah. 
Sounds like that might time out pretty well. Maybe send Possible. a fun, fun representative, a new, new face to the lottery. You know. Ooh, look where your head's at. Wait a minute. Yeah, they might do that. Because is there any word so far as to who they who they plan I on? Haven't, I haven't asked around. My initial get, gut was like they're going to send Ben Wallace back again, back to back to back. It wasn't back to back to back. Rip did last year, and they didn't get. No oh, more. you're right. Yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah, I guess for like good mojo. But I forgot. We said we don't want. No, I'm sorry. It's not that we don't want number one. Our official take on this show was we don't want number two. We want I don't one mind. or three. Yeah, I mean, like, there are for content purposes, there are options that I weigh more than the others. Like one, there's just no, there's just no. It's you're. I'm writing about Victor. Yeah. There's no speculation. At but that Pistons point. fans don't care at respectfully because it's like, okay, but we have Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, you know no, they'll I mean? be excited. They'll read yeah. the shit out of Victor stuff. So it is what it is. Like, I'm not – three wouldn't be – like, three I think is, like, pretty set in stone. Like, you're getting one or the other. You're just oh. getting leftovers. But it's – but, like, good leftovers. Yeah, you're getting you're getting Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. It's just a matter of who the team ahead of you takes. <laughs> Stay with me on this one. The second pick is Thanksgiving – and then the third pick is, what, you know, the stuff that you didn't eat on Thanksgiving. The next couple of days, you got some turkey and stuff left over, which is still really good, but it's not how it was when you first made it. You know what I mean? Where am I with that? Am I talking or am I just saying something? I mean, if you're being like, if we're being honest, though, like it sounds like a slight, but also sometimes it's Thanksgiving food. But sometimes the leftovers hit better than Thanksgiving Day. Sounds like I'm saying something here. I mean, yeah, I'll give you that. You're saying something. I'll give you that. And speaking of stuff going on in the draft, James, you had a big yes. board that that made some waves. Did it? I didn't. Sh- I haven't checked Twitter. Yeah. Well, people, I think there's a. Let's, we don't need to bury the lead here. I'm assuming you wrote this in a story. This is where this came from. I'm, I'm sure you didn't just dome this on Twitter or something. Uh, so I'll let you talk about it if you want. But I feel like without giving too much away, that the tagline of this big board for Detroit should be Brandon Miller is number two, because he is. That's what the headline is, I believe. Oh, is it? Okay, well then there you yeah. go. Brandon Miller is number two on James Edwards the Third's big board. You want to dive yeah. into that a little bit? Yeah. So, for those who didn't read the piece, I recommend doing so because I go into greater detail on one through five. But for the sake of this pod, it's a combination of talking to people, my opinion, uh, scouts, whatever. And just kind of like reading the room, it's very clear the Pistons want a wing at some point, right? I know they're high on Miller. They like Miller. The idea so far has been like, okay, say they end up with two, they end up getting a wing in free agency. But like they can't guarantee, the draft is first, they can't guarantee that that wing that they need comes in free agency as much as there's names we've tossed around. I just get the sense that right now, and it's subject to change, they're still going to talk to these players. They're still going to be X, Y, and Z. I think Miller would be. I think Miller would be the preference. If not, it's tied. I think it's. I think it's hard to say because obviously, I know a lot of fans think I just like know the, the answer to everything. I don't. Um, but I know that they very clearly have made it known that they want a wing who has the potential to be a two-way player and Miller fits that bill yeah. um, and he addresses shooting uh, he's a solid defender I think he has room to even be better on that end 
Um, and Scoot, powerful guard, mix of what? Derrick Rose and like Anthony Edwards athletically. But you can understand where it, the Miller thing is interesting because you should be like, if you're the worst team in the league, you should never pick for fit, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, Miller still has a lot of upside and the fit makes sense. While people may say Scoot has more upside, which I would I would agree with. If you believe in Jaden and you believe in the development he showed in his first year from month to month to month, one of those two is probably going to get bogged down if you bring in Scoot. It's either going to be one of those two is going to come off the bench. And whether or not that's fine, it's whatever. you got time to figure it out. They're both on rookie deals. I just think that they think that the ceiling for Brandon is high enough that they would probably go there. And I'm not saying they would take him at two. I'm saying maybe if you can move down to three and guarantee him and pick up stuff, I think that that they would. That's just my opinion as of April or May for May second uh, at four May first at four sixteen as we're recording this. Do you think there's a room, or uh, do you think there's room for? You know, if you bring Scoot in, does Cade become a ball handling three? Does he become that like that like L.A. LeBron initiator? You know what I mean? I mean, like maybe, but like part of me is the for all the good. Like Cade brings a lot of great to the table, but to me, like what's enticing about him is he's a big point guard, and I think with as he gets more time and used to the NBA game, he's, I don't even still think he's played a full season yet. No, um, like I still think that's just what. That's what attracts you to him, aside from his smarts, um, just the way his leadership, the way he sees the game. I think him being a big point guard is enticing. I think you want the ball in his hands as much as possible. Um, and I think also, like, if you start Scoot, you're kind of looking at, like, a Cleveland situation where it's, like, a very small backcourt between Ivy and Scoot. Scoot can Scoot's a good defender, but he's small. Ivy's got better as a defender, and he's tall. He's six four, but he's not super tall. I just think that like it's clear like what they're trying to build with the roster, which makes me kind of think that they go that they lean toward Brandon. But again, I'm curious to find out like the rest of you. Uh, but just based on what we know about what they want to do with the team, it just Brandon kind of makes the most sense right now for me. You know, it's kind of that philosophical question. Do you want the guy who's better now or the guy who's better in five years? Or what if that's the same guy? What if he is? Hmm. So you don't now, get paid to figure that out. I have to tease you about this for a second because you did at the top mention that when it comes to, you know, mock draft season and all these big boards and everything, you know, there is some opinion and some personal you know, ball knowing this is what my eyes have seen that you throw yeah. into it. And if it wasn't evident to anybody else, it was to me, maybe to people who regularly listen to the show, when they saw Anthony Black, the point guard from Arkansas at number five on this list, it was hilarious to me because I was like, that's my guy. That's James writing his little, writing his little heart out. What'd you, what'd no. you, what do you see in Anthony Black, James, in Detroit? And it, again, it goes back to when you listen to when Dwayne, who is now moved to the front office, and Troy speak. You understand you you understand what they're looking for in a player and how they want to build this team, right? Yeah. I know a lot of people are saying Cam Whitmore. 
Could the Pistons use a guy who has that type of scoring upside? A hundred percent. But Cam Whitmore is poop defensively. <laughs> you know what I mean? And maybe he gets better. Maybe he was disengaged because Villanova had a bad year. Like, they'll find that out. And maybe that's something they'll learn throughout the process or maybe something they already know. I don't know. But, like, when you look at kind of that range, Anthony Black, I think, could play now. I think the Pistons, as much as they need, like, they needed to add athleticism, they also need to add as many guys with kind of high IQ as possible. I think just you see it with, like, I think that's why OKC had success this year because they had a lot of young guys that had high IQ. Um, I think that's where it is not talked about enough with the Warriors as a collective is their collective IQ. I think when you have a bunch of smart basketball players together, I think it goes a long way. And I think Anthony Black right there is probably the smartest player left on the board. Um, he's a tremendous passer. The way he sees the game, he's a dog defensively. I think he can guard one through three, which I, I would believe is enticing to Troy. Um, and then the shot has a long way to go. So that's, I guess, the concern. So, uh, But we've talked about it before. A lot of NBA coaches believe that shooting is the one thing that can be fixed. So I think if black shooting comes around, you're looking at a really complete player, but that's a big if. Yeah, I think um, one of us said on the show at some point over the last few months that Dyson, I'm sorry, Anthony Black is just like Dyson Daniels with a worse jumper, and Dyson Jan- Daniels doesn't even have that good of a jumper. Yeah. But the idea of Dyson Daniels is kind of, I think, what we thought Killian was going to end up being, and we're going to do a little bit of a Killian spiel later on. Um, Are we? Yeah, let's get to that right now, James. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to go over uh, some free agent stuff, who we're going to keep, who we're going to let go. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so even though it is sort of draft season, you know, people want to hear us, uh, you know, throw some names around. Ooh, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about this guy? Or what do you think about this coach? What do you think about that coach? Both things will come in due time, and unfortunately, there's just not much, uh, not many, not too many updates on that front, except for the one that James gave us. So, what we're going to do today, we're looking at the payroll, ladies and gentlemen, and we're seeing who's coming off the books, and do we want to bring them back or not? So, what do you say we get into it, James? Let's do it. How about I read it off, and you tell me if you want to bring them back or not? Yeah, we can. I just I have it pulled up right in front of me. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, but like I don't, I don't, I'm indifferent. You have you're the fan. Let's see what let's see if you Sure. Let's let's play the game with you. Um I already know how this is gonna go. I think most people who listen to the show probably know how this is gonna go, yeah. Alright. So are we doing like club option guys too? Essentially the piece I wrote a couple days ago. All right. So you ready? Yeah. Isaiah Livers team option for one point eight million. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, what, 24, so I don't think there's really any reason to not keep rolling the dice on this um, because I think what you said earlier, I'm amending what I said because you you framed it in a much more constructive way where it's not that I don't understand what the idea is with Isaiah Livers. It's me having a hard time believing we can get to that point. 
right? And the whole 36% thing, you're 100% right. That That's not awesome, right? Like if we could bump that to like 39, I'd feel a lot better. But 36 is also a little bit over a third, right? If if that's, you know, if you're in the MLB, 36%, you're in the Hall of Fame, right? So it's it's, it's just guess, the perspective yeah. of it. So um, also just like from a dude perspective, I, I want him around, you know, because he's just a really, really good guy. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. Also, if you're in the hole oh. for 1.8, that's like a nickel. So that's what I'm saying. I'm curious to see. Uh, one thing we need to monitor here on this show is the uh, the trajectory of Nick's uh, <laughs> fan relationship with Isaiah Livers because I think it could go <laughs> many different ways. All right. RJ Hampton, non-guaranteed for next season. Uh, I believe they have until July 6th to decide if he's on the roster after July 6th. They owe him $1.9 million. So non-guaranteed for next season at $1.9 million. What do you think? Um. I think I kind of set myself up with RJ Hampton because I went into it as like, this is my favorite thing that Troy Weaver has ever done. I can't believe that RJ Hampton's on my basketball team, right? Nuggets fans loved him. Magic fans loved him. Locker room dude. What is wrong with you? And I had it in my head, and I think maybe we kicked it around on this show, that there's a chance that if he plays well enough, right, if he checks into enough games and does all the right stuff that Dwayne and Troy want to see, that there's a chance that he usurps Killian as, like, the third man, you know, in that rotation. And so that's what I mean by I set myself up because he just didn't really – it just didn't really do a ton for me to move the needle. So it's also one of those things where I think the Lions have taught me a lot in terms of um, you don't need to take flyers on guys for too long, and if it doesn't work out, it's okay to just move on, right? You think about Jeff Okuda in recent memory. And yeah, but this is a little different because this costs them absolutely nothing. I was going to save this spiel for the Killian part, and I probably should have done that. So I'm just going to shelf this really quick. The RJ Hampton thing, no, because I think through virtue of the draft, if you do end up with Scoot, that immediately, I think, alleviates the need to have a guy like RJ Hampton, especially if you're already bringing back Corey Joseph, which we'll get to him in just a minute. Um, And then, you know, July 6th, at that point, you've done a week of free agency like no. Yeah, I think it's more likely he gets a two-way contract than on the main roster. That's at least sellable, right? I can get on board with that. Eugene Omarui, club option, $1.9 million. I think you should just give him the other two-way, honestly. What do you think about that? I think, depending on how free agency goes, I think that is also a possibility. What was the game that he put up, like, 20 shots? Was it Orlando? Yeah, it was, uh, I can't remember the game, but it was it was shocking. Yeah, and like I think he they it was kept like, leaving him open to be fair, and it was like a week left in the year, but it was the yeah, same game. Was a game. He put up like ten threes. I don't know, man. He's been fun. He's a super high energy guy. I like him. I certainly think he's an end of bench guy. Yeah. Uh, who, if your team is hunting for the playoffs, probably doesn't play unless there's an injury. Yeah. Uh, so if you need a fifteenth man, I like I think you could do worse with Eugene. Do worse than Eugene. I just kind of, I think, expected him to be maybe a little bit better of a shot blocker. Was he 6'8", 6'9"? Uh, he's like 6'7". Okay. Yeah, he's big body, can switch, but he's, yeah, he's that's not, that's not his forte. I think it is a much, it's much more indicative that you are rooting for a serious basketball team if guys like RJ Hampton and Eugene have two ways as opposed to Buddy and Jarrett. I'll just say that. That's fair. Like, be serious. 
Who's next? Hamad- Hamadou Diallo, unrestricted free agent. Yeah, I, there's that there's that rumor out there that he sold his house. Yeah, is this kind of like I don't want to do another Lions. Maybe thing. he sold it because he's getting a bag and he's getting a bigger one. Yeah, but what are the optics on that? We're gonna pay this guy. I'm who, rich, bitch. No, oh, but it, oh, from for a, from oh. an organizational perspective, oh. is like this guy who it's it, he was just kind of Livers 1.0, right? He was Isaiah Livers before Isaiah Livers in terms of what exactly is are we doing here? Because every you know third possession when you try to draw an and one and sometimes it goes down like i love that i think what he benefited from near the lap maybe the second half of the season was he just really started utilizing those baseline cuts those off ball cuts and if he's mm-hmm. just doing that if he's literally just doing that 15 million three years have it okay wait what so three for 45 no no or, no 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 or five over three he already makes more than that how much does he make I think it was like 5.9 or something like that. Oh, I forgot there was that whole thing. You're right. You're right. I'll, I'll bump it to 18, six, for th- six over three. I think if you can get Hamadou Diallo for $6 million, yes, bring him back. Uh, I think he, for a team like Detroit, is a luxury player mm-hmm. where he provides um, he, he, he provides a lot the intangibles that you want on your basketball team. He plays his butt off. I wrote in the piece that it felt like the Pistons were just better when Diallo was on the floor. Um, And he played within himself. He figured that out. I just think though, if you look at it to start the year, he wasn't in the plans until people got, until players got hurt. Um, I think the lack of shooting does hurt him, but there is like a role for him. If you can get creative and figure that out, I just don't know how much you're willing to pay for that. And I do think Eugene has similar, characteristics in terms of the intangibles where you could get him for much cheaper and has a better upside as a shooter, but he's not the finisher that Hamadou Diallo is and um, the, the slasher and, and things like that. So I, I ultimately at the end of the day, I think Hamadou Diallo gets a contract from another team that not only is more than what Detroit is probably willing to go, but will guarantee a role for him. That's my two cents. I think you had, you had a take a couple of weeks ago that has kind of stuck with me. It was something to the effect of like, Hamadou Diallo might be really good on a team that needs him to do stuff that Detroit doesn't need right now, right? In situations that Detroit just doesn't end up in because ultimately they're a losing team right now. Well, you know I, I, mean? I mean, stuff they they need him to do, it's just they're so it's just it's not making a difference because of the youth and the roster right now. It's not like it's not a tipping point. He has tipping point or like X factor qualities, but there's no the Pistons aren't in really games where there's an X factor needed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good mob bench guy, if nothing else. Bench mob, yeah. not mob bench. And how, and how much do you pay for that? You know what what I mean? is the most I would pay for a, a bench mob guy? Um, six? Like strictly to be six. I said just, six. Just Ramadu. like coming into it as like this is your role, bench mob. What did Dante Jones get paid? Probably like one and a half because that's all he was. I don't remember what Dante Jones made. Uh, like when I think like bench mob guy, I think like Luca Garza. Like oh, okay. The, the the vet minimum, like whatever. Yeah. Dante Jones right. and his and his. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, we can keep talking about Dante Jones. So we got all day. I just never liked him at all, and really, my only memories of Dante Jones were as an end of bench Cleveland guy, and he would just gas dudes and like talk perpetual shit, and I hated him. 
You need those. You need those guys. You, everybody needs those guys, but you hate them unless they're on your team. Corey Joseph, unrestricted free agent. Yes. I don't I don't think there's any way he comes back. What? Not only do I think he wants a bigger role, because, again, he wasn't going to be in the rotation until Cade went down. Uh, I think that the team trying to turn a corner is going to upgrade the point guard, the backup point guard position. Or the this backup is... guard position. I am uh, I am disheartened by this. I mean, I hope he does. I like Corey. Great guy. Fun. Good to be around. I, I think it's your ju- day. I think it just sucks because, bro, the last two months of the season were like the first time since Corey's been here that people were like, this Corey Joseph guy is not half bad. We kind of like this guy. And now he was he's balling getting- when he first got to Detroit, but he was he had a flamethrower at the end of this year. And everybody was finally on board with it. And I was like, finally, you can all come to the island. Finally, we can all live harmoniously. And now he's like, everybody he, was on board, but it's deuces from Kojo. What the, what do you mean? I could see Kojo ending up somewhere like Brooklyn, like a teetering playoff team, be a veteran presence, play, give him some guard minutes. I could see a team. I could see him going to a team like that, try to boost his value just by playing more meaningful games. What has the Brooklyn experiment or experience rather taught us since they've moved from New Jersey. It's that they operate better as like a sheer vibes team than they do as like a juggernaut powerhouse with stars. Cause they can go yeah. do their PG. I'm sorry, PG Paul um, Pierce, KG Joe Johnson thing or Kyrie and KD and Darren Williams. They can do that and it doesn't work or they can be the D you know, Jared Allen Nets, the Karis LeVert Nets, or the Mikal Bridges. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. better when they're a team of dudes who, like, are just there. Yeah, I like I like that. They're a better vibes team, and that's very Brooklyn because Brooklyn's yeah. so hipster now. Yeah. Yeah, so so chic. All right, who's that's next? A good, it's a good take. That's one of your better ones. That was good. Nice. Um, Rodney Magruder is the last one. I think as long as he – which I don't anticipate him getting a guaranteed – like rotation spot from some team, I think Rodney is coming back. Bench mob. Yeah, there you go. Need that somebody minimum. to need somebody to rough up Clay Thompson every time we're out in the bay. Got to have one of those guys. You got to. You got to have the guy that's going to run and protect young Jaden. Be there to fight with Stu. Give him guidance. Be in their ear. Tell him what yeah. to do. Don't go. Don't go with that girl. Stay here. Play Call of Duty need that guy i literally have nothing that's exactly what i mean just because as a, I also went on a big rant about this a couple weeks ago about how i wanted to keep him and Corey around from uh from a veteran presence uh uh perspective so i don't i guess i don't really need to rehash that but the idea of having that dude i think the essence of what i said then was a dude who's always ready is always going to be valuable right and he's somebody who can come in off the bench and in two minutes he's going to have put up like three or four shots, right? Because that's just what he does. And I think that when you have a bunch of young guards on the team and sometimes there are going to be some like, you know, you're sitting a little longer than you were hoping you might because the other young guards got to get out there and get some experience too. I think having a guy who knows what it's like to respectfully ride the bench, you know, his ability to always stay collected through those moments, I think is inherently valuable uh, on a team this young. So, yeah, I mean, you're not really putting out that much for him, 
Um, like you said, I would be surprised if like, I just, just for the sake of naming a team, Miami, Charlotte, you know, somebody was Toronto's like, we got to have Rodney McGrath. I would be shocked, but well, not really. Cause I can't say all those nice things about him and then be like, I would be shocked if anybody else wants them. Cause then it sounds like I'm being disingenuous, but yeah, sure. Rodney Magruder. I'd love it. Shout out to Rod. Max 17. Is that what, is that his thing? I've never heard that before. That's what I've been. That's what I started calling him at the end of the year when he was shooting at Max 17. Alrighty, James. What do you say? We take another quick break. Let's do it. Okay, I gotta do it, folks. I gotta do it. NFL draft happened. I didn't want to do it over the weekend, and I got some thoughts. And if you'll indulge me, James, I had like a cathartic experience watching that first round and i had like i convulsed when jameer gibbs was the pick but in a good way like i was i was dude i was spazzing i texted you i'm pretty sure all caps i don't even remember what i said but i was losing my mind right yeah and the initial response from everybody was that they were upset because they're like we have deandre swift we have all this stuff my brain went into like immediate, I see this vision, it's over for Swift. So now the two-headed monster is Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. And since then, also Mo Ibrahim from Minnesota is now on the roster, which what what in the world? He's a freak. I don't know how he didn't get drafted. Injuries. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it also made me realize that you kind of sniped this like a month ago when we signed Montgomery and you were like, I'm pretty sure this is writing on the wall for Swift. And I was like, what? And even though it was through a different, you know, way that it ended up happening, you ended up being right. And now he's a Philadelphia Eagle, which really of all the teams, Brad, I'd like to win the NFC. Why are you giving, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, don't do that. Maybe that's fair. But then you get Jack Campbell, which is, he's just, he does the, the, his, uh, post-draft press conference from his like house in his bathroom his family was drunk outside it was great right that's a dan campbell guy now as we get through the rest of the draft what's frustrated me is the this rhetoric that is like every single player that the lions drafted they should have like flipped like jameer gibbs should have been our third rounder and, and jack campbell should have been 12 and people are like flipping around like that we over drafted guys but they're not complaining about the guys themselves. And I'm like, so the Lions drafted a bunch of really good players, and the problem is that they drafted them. Not that they drafted them, but that they drafted them in the wrong spot. It's weird. See, this is – and this was my – I was talking with Max and Colton and Cody about this over the weekend, and I understand positional value and all that stuff. But, like, we've – as a sports-consuming culture – We've gone overboard with the mock stuff. And, like, I'm guilty of it. Like, I know people want to read them, so I do them. But people take, like, and, of course, like, for example, Dane, uh, our NFL uh, draft specialist, Dane, is does a great job, and he puts those things together based on conversations with people. But people, fans live and die by that stuff so much in the PFFs that, like, they feel like those, okay, this is this guy's value. This is where he should go. This is where I've been reading he's going. But at the end of the day, Brad Holmes isn't competing with the mock draft makers. He's competing with the NFL GMs. You, that's the that's the board you're playing off of. So if somebody, if you really like Jameer, Jameer Gibbs, and somebody told you they're going to take him at 16, 
or you don't think he's going to make it to 18, you take him because you're not going against what this guy at home said he should, what round he should go. And you're going against the, where the, another NFL team might take him. And everybody's talking about like, yeah, I would have loved, uh, what's the safety from Alabama? Brian branch. They were like, yeah, if we had branch at 12 and this guy here, it would have been perfect. Well, it's like, right. okay, branch fell to the third round. So clearly the mock you read didn't jive with NFL teams. So, that's my big thing. Like, I understand, like, running back, and you can get those guys, some guys later. Um, you don't need to use a pick there, whatever. But, like, also, I think that's the biggest thing that drives me nuts with mock draft culture is, like, people get their mocks. They like to read the mocks that they have, and that's their Bible. But those GMs are not – they're not going against those mocks. They're going against the other teams and the other GMs. And you have to get the person that you really like, and you get him before another. If you know another team, before another team that you know likes this player gets him. And then Brad Holmes, after like the first round or the second round, whenever it was, kind of went on a little spiel about mock drafts and like mock draft season. And he's like, "Yeah, I mean, I read them, you know, but like we don't care respectfully. Yeah. Like we." And I, here's what I love about watching a Brad Holmes press conference versus a Troy Weaver conference press conference is Brad Holmes is such a diplomat and he will articulate it in a, in a way where he'll call you an idiot, but like respectfully, he'll, he'll just phrase it really nicely. You know, Troy is just very blunt and direct. And he's like, yeah, that's stupid. And we don't care. I don't think, I don't think he says that, but I definitely think you can read it on his face, which I like. It's funny. Sometimes he'll just laugh or. Yeah. I think it's maybe because Troy is always just very kind of deadpan kind of monotone you know could be it yeah i think they're both very similar i sent uh i sent matthew i don't know if troy's i don't know if troy's like pounding the table and chest bumping after like getting his guy though brad's reaction that's a football thing where he almost broke the table because when they drafted jameer gibbs was my reaction like that's literally what i did that's how excited i was i sent a text to matthew Goff is going to look down the field in week seven and see Amon Ra crossing, JMO 15, pa- 15 yards past the safety, Laporta on a dig, and Gibbs on the check down. What the heck? We're cheating. How is that real? Like, how are we doing this? We're literally cheating. Let's not bite off more than we can chew. Let's no, I'm serious. like you've watched this team have success. <laughs> like, no, start. Just wait. Let them win a playoff game before you go overboard. So two things. One is NFL, and then the second is NBA. So the last thing I'll say about uh, – uh, about the NFL is the Hendon Hooker thing. I think this is the first time in my life the Lions just like read my mind because all you know the lead up to this, I was like, don't do it, like don't. Like I love Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. I loved him, super big guy, super big fan of his. But I was like, don't do it. And then as we were getting in the second round, I was like, get weird, dude. Like please just do it because. I don't really know. Like, I actually don't really know if I believe that it's going to work out. Honestly, I don't. But I'm so excited for the experiment, right? Because it feels relatively inconsequential. You are kind of up against this weird clock about what you're going to do with Jared Goff. And it's like, are you putting all your chips in this Hendon Hooker? You know, are you are you going all in on this? I don't know. We'll have to see. Make sure he can get healthy and do all this stuff. I but. would be surprised if they see Hooker as the quarterback of the future. I think they see him as a guy that is going to be a solid NFL quarterback and would be a a very good backup during a time when they have a roster to compete in case something happens with golf or they don't want to pay golf and need a bridge for a year or something. Right. And, and that was, you know, they needed somebody, right. They couldn't just be Nate Sudfeld back there. Um, 
And it's also you're, you're kind of in a tough spot because it's like you plan on being really good next year. The odds of you being able to go get Drake May or Caleb Williams or Bo Nix, like you're not going to be in that conversation. So you're just going to be in a similar one this time next year where you're going to have to take a day two or a day three guy, most likely, right? right. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited for it. I want to I say this because if I don't say this this week, um, I'm never going to remember to do it. Did we ever hear back from that second place guy? Because I haven't. I haven't. I'll, you know what? Let's check that right after when, when we're done recording. I will check that immediately because it's been a couple days since I've since I've checked. So I'll I'll get that taken care of. I want to give a quick uh, shout out to our guy Eric over in Milwaukee, covering the Bucks because he took on that wrath from Giannis really well. He put on a brave face. For those who don't know, Eric name is the. Uh, the, the the Bucks beat guy for the athletic. He was the one who asked Giannis the question about is this season a failure? And it was funny because even though Giannis was absolutely right about everything, he nailed that take. Everybody thinks he nailed that take. He he crushed it, right? He's right. Minus it was a failure. Like I don't think he should be beating himself up over, it, but if the season was a failure, it's fine. Go it's fine. It's not the end of the world. It's sports. But yes, the season was a failure. As soon as I heard Eric's voice, I like put my phone. I was like, is this? I was like, oh, no. And then Giannis being like, I don't want to say anything disrespectful. And then, you know, saying like Eric. It's because they like, have a good relationship. Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. it just speaks volumes to like, okay, that's a dude who like really respects the sort of reporter athlete relationship. Be him being Giannis, I mean. Yeah. And um, it speaks, I guess, volumes about the due diligence that Eric has put in to not just be a sort of, quote, grabby reporter. Um, can you just kind of talk to us about, cause you've, you've given us some stories, impromptu story time with James. You've given us some stories in the past about you kind of being in the line of fire. Um, when you ask a question that's maybe a little silly, you know, you've told us the Stan Van Gundy story before and all this stuff, but yeah. like, what does it feel like in the moment when you're around all these reporters and you're like, I'm getting cooked. I mean, it just, it's part of the job. Everybody's been there sometimes. Depending on the team you cover and where it is in the season, somebody needs to ask a question even if they just got blasted by 30 and maybe the question's not great or maybe somebody's pissed. And um, it just it just comes with the business. you got to have thick skin. you got to trust that the work that you put in and in, in asking questions all the time. Like half the questions you guys see or hear – or the questions you guys see here are only like 30% of the questions we ask throughout the season. Uh, not everything is for on post-game press conferences. The majority of it's not. So – it's just you just trust the relationships you built, uh, trust that they know what you're saying or like if something maybe they take it the wrong way, but you hope that they understand like where you, what you what you meant and what you were saying because there's that rapport. So, yeah, it's just it's just getting to know guys. And if somebody disagrees with something, you pull them aside, explain why or or where they were confused or where the disagreement was. It's just part of the business. You don't have to name who the reporter was, but who like cooked a reporter the hardest that you've seen a player or a coach. You don't have to get into it if you don't want. Stan probably. Yeah. Or Blake. Actually Blake. Really? Yeah. Loss, like a bad loss or something, just not the right moment. Uh when he ran from Balmer. Oh. <laughs> 
And he was going over like, that's just my routine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave it there. You got an album yeah, for yeah. us, James? I don't, but I wanted, I, I promised somebody I would do this. Uh, Chris Schwegler, who's a photographer that shoots a lot of the Pistons games. He's the one that took the photo that everybody loves of Ivy and Duran. Ooh. Where it's Ivy screaming and Duran behind him looking in the camera. That photo is up uh, for the NBA photo of the year. Uh, or NBA fan favorite awards. Voting ends May 3rd. Uh, 11.59 Eastern Time. Winners announced Friday, May 5th. Uh, you can vote at NBA.com. But that photo that Chris took, which obviously everybody knows what I'm talking about, the Ivy and Duran one, uh, is up for, I believe, photo of the year. So go to NBA.com, and you can find like the, the fan favorites awards section and, and vote. I am so happy you brought this up. Do you know why? Do you know who reposted that photo of Ivy and Duran? I saw Scoot did, right? Scoot Henderson put a picture of Jaden Ivey and Jalen Dern on his Instagram story. So do with that what you will, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review. Subscribe. Leave five stars if you're feeling generous. If you're listening to this on Spotify, you can also leave five stars. We will catch you guys in the next one.